Welcome back, Giants fans, to the latest edition of the Big Blue UK and Ireland podcast. And for the first time, we are all together as a foursome. Therefore, we are now 75% British, 25% Irish, but still absolutely 100% Giants. Yes, Kev is back with myself, Shane and Craig this week, as we're now only three weeks away from the draft. Coming up for you today, Shane and Kev are going to bring you their top five on each position on offence. And then we're going to crack on and open up the mailbag as we get towards the end of the show. Guys, how are you all doing on this fine Friday evening? Yeah, man, all good. As Craig mentioned off air beforehand, I'm going to be back to being um, down and negative. Now, Kev's back this week, so, you know, last week I hope you enjoyed my optimism, but we're back to normal this week. Uh, what are you talking about? I was looking forward to being the misery guts this week and being down on everything. No, it's good to be back, boys. Good to have Craig with us. Really buzzing for this draft. Um, I mean, we'll get on to talking about some of the acquisitions and some of the press conference meetings and stuff, raring to go. Yeah, it's going to be be another good week. Should be another busy, busy one as well. Yeah, there's a there's there's plenty there's plenty coming up in the next couple of weeks. That's for sure. Um, you know, like I said, as we sort of make our way towards the last weekend of April and get towards the draft, there's still plenty that can happen. But yeah, we're also going to open up the mailbag later on to round things up. Uh, so thanks to those that are sending questions to us. Before we get started, remember you can get in touch with us via our usual channels on Twitter at BigBlueUKIRL, on the New York Giants Fans UK Facebook page, look for the podcast thread and drop us a line there. And also now via our brand new email address, that is BigBlueUKIRL at gmail.com. Get your emails, get your tweets, get your Facebook messages into us. We really appreciate your feedback, your comments. That's what we're here for. We're here for you guys. Also, we really appreciate any reviews on your podcast platform of choice. Send us your thoughts and keep us going as we enter our second year of bringing you all things Giants. But before we bring you all of that, it's time to catch up on the latest news. Uh, And this week saw the Giants begin their off-season workout program due to us having brought in Coach Daybol after the end of last season. It just means they're allowed to start workouts two weeks before those teams that have returning head coaches. Uh, now, there's been two notable absentees from workouts this week. James Bradbury, obviously no doubt because of the trade rumours circulating about him, and Kadarius Tony. Surprise, surprise. Now, neither were really a surprise, really. Um, but the fact that Tony wasn't there just makes you ask the question, why? Why is he not there? Does he not want to impress the new coaches, let alone the new general manager? What What do you guys think make of Tony not being there? Um, yeah, as you say, it, it just wasn't a surprise. Like, and I know there's a lot of Giants fans kind of like divided over it. Some are like, oh yeah, people are making a big deal out of nothing. Some people are like, why wasn't he there? And I'm in the camp of why wasn't he there? You know, it's your second year in. You missed a lot of time last year due to injuries and COVID and more injuries and more COVID and more injuries. And a bit of wrapping in between, you know. Yeah, you know, we've brought in a new coach. I want to know why a kid who's, what, 22, 23 years old, who has still got a li- has still got something to prove in this league. You know, he's by no means, you know, if he put up a 1,000 yards last year and eight touchdowns, I'd be, okay, you know what? You can, I don't blame you for not attending. But when we've, when we've been as shit as we was last year and the um, absentees that he had at a variety of times last season, with a new coaching, why you're not coming in, turning up and being like, right, coach, I'm going to show why you should build this offence around me. Yeah, I mean, Shane, you make an absolute cracking point there. Um, last year, he was a rookie, so he didn't have these types of get-togethers, whatever, you, whatever they're called. This is your perfect opportunity to get in, the, in there early, get into the playbook, 
Now, from what um, Dave's, as he likes to be called, what Dave's is like been saying to players is like, bring bring plays to me. Like, let me see what you like to run. If it fits into our philosophy, if we can get you on the front first, you know, he, he said Daniel Jones, like, what type of plays do you like from your Duke days? From the well, he's had four different offensive coordinators since he's been um, from college and in the league. But you know, he's asking to bring those plays to him, and they can work a playbook around that. But if I'm Tony, I want to be there on one get my ipad look at the philosophy meet the the coaches especially the oc kapka and say to him look here's my here's my tip from college here's some stuff i've done on um on the, the um in last year in limited time look i can do this i can do that like what's your thoughts on this like really bounce off like i'm actually really frustrated he's not there there's absolutely no excuse why he shouldn't be there um yeah and, um, yeah, like I said, I don't usually get too frustrated with players, but I'm actually, yeah, like, stop being an agent and just turn up. It was slightly surprising in one sense, though, because there was there was talk from Debo saying that he, that Tony was sending him his rap tapes and they were building a rapport over a love of old school rap. And you would have thought if you're building a rapport with a new head coach, that kind of comes into, you know, impressing him on a daily basis. Yeah, I mean... Oh well, it's good. Like, don't get me wrong. That's that's something. If they if they can, you know, if they have something in common there, then cool, fine. That's that's you know that's something outside of the game. But the reason both of them are there is for the game of football. Yeah, exactly. It's like I know it's voluntary, and and they have to, we have to remember that as well. It is voluntary, but of course, yeah. But it's like you love this game. You want to play this game. You want to try and go out and and show the world and show the league what you could do on the field. Why not put your best foot forward? Yeah, like we drafted you number twenty overall last year. We paid. We 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 took a chance on you. You know, we've we've put up with your with your, you know, your side projects and whatever you're doing. You know, Dave Gettleman drafted you. Joe Judge brought you into the team, and no, the thing is now it's a completely different team. It's a you know completely different front office, completely different coaching team. The one thing you want to be doing is saying. Hello, this is me. This is what I can do. This is what I can do for you. This is why I should be on the team. And you just got to look at what coach said about like the team first attitude. It's no, it's no, it's no individual person. It's it's a team first attitude. It's be a professional, you know. And that goes in terms of like accountability, dependability, resiliency. It's like, and are you being accountable? You know, are you are you being are you being a team first person? Are you being a professional, or are you just thinking, yeah, fuck this, I don't need to turn up to voluntary workouts because yeah, I just want to have a bit more bit more of a break. No, it annoyed me, man. Because why are you not there? It's not as if it's not as if you're you, you're going into sort of four, five, six weeks of camp. You're just turning up to voluntary workouts. In the day, you've been paid a hell of a lot of money by this organisation already in your first year. And let's be honest, you didn't really produce when you you know over those few games you played. Prove yourself to the coaches, man. Don't don't just don't shy away and don't be absent from where everyone else is there and is trying to make an impression. Yeah, I think just quickly one last point on that as well. I think um. Joe Sheehan has shown that he likes to put a lot of workout bonuses into contracts. So there's a lot of players who who would have lost like hundreds of thousands of dollars if they didn't show up this week. So that's worth looking, keeping a mind on that, you know, all right, it's not in Tony's contract because he's on a rookie contract that's probably slightly differently um, set up from Gettleman. But uh, it's worth thinking, knowing that, you know, 
they've done this because they want as many players as possible turning up. We need we need to hit the ground running, let's. But that's but that's that's the thing. They they're veterans. They've got that incentive in their contract. That's fair enough. You know, he's he's a you know he's just come out of his rookie year. He's in his sophomore year now, and it's like, well, just because you don't have that incentive doesn't mean you shouldn't turn up. You know, make the impression on the on the on the on the staff that you need to make. It just it just frustrated me. It just annoyed me. Anyway, enough about Kadarius Tony because I mean you can go on and on about him. <laughs> obviously, obviously Dave's visited all the positional rooms as well and held his sort of first full team meeting. And like I said, he sort of focused. He was focusing on injury prevention as well, so having meetings about injury prevention, which I mean we all know we we got issues with injuries. And I think over I think as I read a stat the other day over the last ten years we've lost more players to injury than any other team in the league. It's it doesn't surprise me. But who knows? Uh, it's just that's they're focusing on injury prevention and uh, trying to minimise the uh, the injuries we have anyway. And then also Dan Jones come out and said that he's he's ready to go with workout videos of him, of him surfacing, you know, him, him pumping the iron um, and, and, and lifting weights and doing a few workouts. It looks like he's putting in the work to get back to full fitness, which is good to see. And he's doing it sooner rather than later as well. And focusing on preparing himself and taking responsibility as a quarterback for the, the lack of games that we've won and the, and the lack of points that we scored as well. You know, he's taken ownership of that. He's taken responsibility of that. So that's good to see and that's good to hear. But obviously the jury still is, is out on reg- with regards to Dan Jones. But any initial thoughts about um, Coach Dable's comments or Dan Jones's comments, guys? No, nothing for me because, <clears throat> excuse me, as I've mentioned before, we, we fell into the trap under the last regime. I'm not doing it again. You know, Jones has said nothing that I wouldn't expect him not to say. You know, he's took accountability and ownership. I fully expect a quarterback to do that. I'm sure we'll come on to it at some point, but I do feel that the more trades that are made in this draft leading up to it, the more pressure he's on Jones to perform for next year. Because, you know, you've got five teams at the minute that have got multiple firsts next year. So they've already got that draft capital to move up. We have. So, yeah, that that's, I, I just, I was looking at it today and I was looking at the teams that have got first round picks and I was just like, man, it's gone from, we want Jones to do well to we need Jones to do well. We really, really need him to ball out. So, you know, time will tell if his neck is 100% ready to go. If it wasn't, I wouldn't expect him to come out and say it's not ready to go. I would expect him to come out and say what he said. So, yeah, we'll, we'll just sort of see how he gets on in camp pre-season and then when the season starts. Yeah, I mean, like, again, just reiterate what Shane said. Like, we, we all we all listened to uh, Joe Judge and we loved every single phrase he said and every term he used and um, we all bought in. But, I, you know, I do like Dave. He was, he was a lot of our first options. Uh, a lot of our first option for the head coaching role. So I'm all in on him. I just want to really see him do well, but I want to start seeing things. I want to start hearing things come out and not just press conferences because you, you're not going to get good quotes from press conferences, are you? Like, I mean, Daniel Jones isn't going to give you a quote. He's not going to give you anything that's going to give you a headline or anything like that. Um, you know, one thing I will say about Daniel is like, you know, I think he's shown flashes of, of what he can be. He's in a weird situation now, isn't he? He's had three years and he hasn't been rubbish enough for us to be like, right, we have to move on. Let's, let's cut the cord and move on from him. But then he he hasn't had the production where you go, okay, let's sign him up to a long-term deal. No brainer. Let's get his fifth-year option. No brainer. So it's, it's a really weird one. It's a big, massive, massive season. And we need to do all we can to protect him, bring him plays that he can be productive with and see where we go. Because you talk about these, um, everyone having two first-rounders. If we trade back with someone who could go to the playoffs, give us a first rounder next year like really if we finish up with 12 13 ourselves 
and a 25th, 27th first rounder. That's not going to get us to one, two or three for the quarterbacks that are coming out next year. Let's be honest. You're talking about giving up even more multiple first then going forward. So, I mean, and I'm definitely don't want to go through a season where we are picking our own pick in the top three or four. I don't want that again. So, I mean, we have to sort of just get behind Daniel Jones and and support him and just just hope that he can show enough to where you know he could be our QB going forward. I know that there's um there's been a lot of talk around the fact that Dan Jones, if you look at statistically on long throws, he is up there, regardless of the fact that his production on that and the amount of throws that he makes is low, because I believe his his the amount of long throws he actually makes was in the twenty nine thirty mark around all quarterbacks in the league. Um, but it does show that he does have a productive side, especially on stretching the field. It just we just haven't taken advantage. It'll be interesting to see if the coaching staff look at that as potentially a strength for him. Yeah, I think it's. It, I think what you what you're talking about is the um his completion percentage like on on pass of twenty yards or more, wasn't it? And I think that's it, correct. Yeah. Was it year two, or was it maybe yeah, year two? It was year two. Year two. He led the league in in completion percentage in pass of twenty yards or more. We have to we have to throw the ball downfield more to stretch the field. Teams are just too compact on us, yeah. and like. We don't need a speed demon at um, tight end like uh, Evan Ingram, who's, who's absolutely light, rapid but has no hands. Um, I was buzzing for Carl Rudolph last year because I believe that Carl Rudolph in his prime is the exact tight end that we need. Not Carl Rudolph at 32, injury problems last year. It was a I was optimistic about it, but it was a bad fit. But we need someone who's, who's if you can stretch the field, whose zones open up and space opens up and that underneath. And, um, you know, if you've got a sure hand catcher, pass catcher, then, you know, you'll be able to move the ball, move the ball. So we do need to be able to expand our passing game a bit. Yeah, definitely. I think Jason Garrett's offense wasn't that offense that we needed, really. <laughs> Um, and, and really, with Joe Judge's regime, really, what he needed, probably not. But yeah, let's 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 see what happens with with Kafka and with Dayball. You know, they're both off great offensive minds. So let's hope we can we can stretch the field and we can play to Dan Jones's strengths. We can play to the receiver's strengths, to Tony's strengths, to to Shep's strengths, to Slayton's strengths, even to Kenny Golladay's strengths. Because let's face it, the fact that he we mentioned it before, the fact that he didn't catch a touchdown pass um, last season was criminal in itself and the amount of money we're paying him so you'll catch one on the opening game mate you know write what? that down are you, are you putting sandwiches on that oh i'll have sandwiches me i'll put baguettes on that <laughs> he'll, he'll put kev will put pints on that that's what kev will oh. put on it. <laughs> um but one 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 interesting little snippet to come out as well was about blake martinez is a mission that he had um worn out cleats that contributed towards his acl tear in week three last year but that his recovery's going well. But why would why would you wear worn out cleats in the first place? You know, I mean, yeah, obviously, if if you're a bit superstitious, they might have been your cleats for a long time or whatever. But come on, you you're a multi millionaire. At least at least wear like a decent pair of cleats every week. You know. So I didn't quite understand this, right? When he said worn out cleats, does he mean actual studs or the boots? The boots cleats like were worn as in not protective of, of his feet. I mean, do you get the question? Yeah, I mean, because it was the Atlanta game, wasn't it? And that was... So were they like rubber, non-replaceable studs underneath that worn down, worn down, worn down and basically couldn't grip the grass the way it should have? Or the yeah, turf? I, I would assume it's probably that more than the actual, you know, the... the Physical the, shoe. The, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that's irresponsible, then. Of course it is. 
But, you know, the fact that he said it is, his recovery's going well is, is a good sign. And the fact that he's still on the team as well is also a good sign, which we sort of covered, discussed last week. But yeah, and, and um, Shep saying his recovery's day by day, going day to day, and he's listening to trainers. Um, but he's doing everything he can to get back on the field. And it was mutual interest that led to him returning to the team. I mean, I mean, we said it before as well, like, with his injury history, what was really what was how likely was he to get a contract with another team how likely was he to land on another team probably not very likely and it might it might have ended up with him being out of the league completely in 2022 so i think the fact that he's back on a a low value deal for the next season it it works for both works for both him and works for the organization as well because he was he was never going to get the money he was on before so i think for him it's uh it's to see how it goes and it's like you said it's a day-by-day thing really i mean yeah essentially like the two two both of them shep and martinez have one year left on their contracts now they both didn't want to operate their families the kids are in good schools and they feel at home and there they love the organization don't forget the organization is more than just the head coach and offensive defensive coordinating staff you mean you're talking about the family the uh, mara family the um, tishes the backroom staff the kidders you know like everyone in the building the whole organization everyone praises that now just because the coaching staff are getting it wrong on the field doesn't mean that you know it's not a good organization to work for or be a part of but i think like we needed martinez to come back we need that leadership in on on the defense we need the play caller in the defense we need that sort of like tackling machine that he he's proven every single year he's been fit that he is. So we yeah we did need him back. I mean Shep said as well. I can't remember the actual quote, but you know he wants he wants to be here and he wants to be here beyond this year as well. So he's playing for a contract. He wants an extension with us. So so he's going to be playing for that this season. That can only be a good thing in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's good to have him back. You know, the longest tenured giant back on the team. Uh, it's good to have him back for another year. And again, with 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 Shep, let's see let's see what happens in 2022 because it could go it could go either way and the fact we've got a new offense new offense coordinator new new offensive coach it, it, it could work in his favor really obviously details of uh, a dory jackson's contract restructure came out as well this week kev do you want to cover that slightly yeah like, just, uh, King, yeah know? yeah so just quickly like just just restructuring right the player does nothing here right if anything that the player benefits out of this the the the, the money basically six million was taken from non-guaranteed salary this year and spread out over next year and the year after. So they've taken six million of his salary this year and said, we're going to give you that guaranteed now. Um, he was going to get it anyway because he's going to be in the team. But then we'll, we'll spread that over 2023, three million there. And then we'll whack on a void year afterwards where we pay you another three million and you won't be on the team in this contract format. So essentially, it's just about taking non guaranteed money this year and spreading it over multiple years to reduce the cap hit this year. So basically it's just taking 6 million, giving it to him, but giving it to him sort of essentially 20, 2023, 2024, allowing us to spend some more money this year. Yeah, so team friendly and helped out the cap room. Can't complain really. Joe Shane attended some pro days as well. I think it's four different schools, was it? Oregon, Ohio State, Cincinnati and Georgia. And then he had dinner with Sauce Gardner the night after his pro day as well. Interesting, eh? Who's he got, who's he got in his eye on lads? Who's he got his eye on at those schools, eh? Well, I know Shane, do you want to talk about some of them? Yeah, I was going to say, if you look at it, um, Oregon, there's one big guy there that stands out monumentally. Big edge guy, you know. You don't travel 3,000 mile. I don't, I don't know if it was a 3,000 mile round trip or 3,000 miles there and 3,000 miles back, but either way, New York to Oregon. You don't just make that trip for the sake of it. Um, so there's obviously some serious interest there in um Kayvon Thibodeau, Ohio State, 
Kev Carruth. Just quickly, yeah. just quickly on on um, Oregon as well. Sorry, not jump in like, but just players that might interest us. Like you have the safety there, McKinley, and the cornerback right. They're sort of players to watch out for as good depth in the sort of fourth and fifth rounds. So just like kind of players like just keep an eye on as well. Yeah, and that brings you on to what I was going to say with Ohio State. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the only guys that really stand out for me is the two big wide receivers, Alave and Will Garrett Wilson, is it? Yeah. And then Jeremy Rook at the tight end. Oh, my guy, I love a bit of Rocket. That, that's the only three guys that stand out for me from Ohio State. Oh, see, I've got more. <laughs> yeah, feel free. Yeah, no, see, like, I mean, Rocket, I think, is a perfect sort of, like, all-round tight end, blocking, can catch, very reliable hands, not a speed demon at all by any means, but just sort of very reliable who could come in. And I think he's one of those players that would just have a really good long career in the NFL, but not be flashy. And to be honest, we kind of, little analogy for there, Dan, we kind of need to hit doubles with some of our picks. We don't need to go for the home runs throughout the draft and then other players like I mean um, Petit Frere the offensive tackle um, maybe not the beginning of the second but if we find a little trade partner to move back in the second you know someone to pick up in the middle to the late second round um, Mumford the uh, interior offensive lineman in the fourth or fifth round I mean Tariq Smith as a as a depth pass rusher in the fifth or sixth and even Haskell Garrett big um, interior defensive lineman I mean we're, we're quite light there although we've got decent starters in Williams and Lawrence you know, we, we are quite late there as well. So they're just players just to keep an eye on. Yeah, and then um, another one he was attended was Cincinnati. Again, the big guy there. And Cincinnati have got a lot of players in this draft. But the big guy there is going to be Source Gardner. You know, Joe Shane, he's not going to Cincinnati's pro day to check out Alec Pierce. No offence to Alec Pierce. Um, so, you know, Source Gardner's the big one there. But then you've also got someone like Desmond Ridder. You know, I'm not saying we're going to take Desmond Ridder. I'm not saying he's going to be early pick. But if Desmond Ridder's there in the start of the second round, they, they might decide, you know, something, we're going to take a gamble there. And then obviously you've got a guy who I'm quite high on, another cornerback called Kobe Bryant. And then my Jay Sanders is the other main standout for me. An edge guy, again, it's a need. But, you know, I'd, I'd say you're looking at Joel Shane's going to these pro days. He's looking at the top, top calibre players and not the, the bottom end. Kev, anything for, to add for Cincinnati? Yeah, I mean, like, this is a, you, you can tell why they got to the um, college playoffs this year because they've got a lot of NFL ready players. Um, I mean, obviously, Sauce at five or seven, but, you know, we'll be looking at him and um, the safety cook, be good safety depth because, you know, we've got potentially an opening at starting safety. We've got um, Julian Love and Xavier McKinney as our safeties really at the moment on the roster. So Cook could be a good player to get in the third or fourth round for depth. We talked about Bryant. I love Bryant. I mean, everyone talks about Sauce on one side, but Bryant played very, very well on the other side, um, the cornerback. Um, even Pierce, you know, if Pierce falls to the third or fourth round, he could be um, someone to come in for depth. I mean, I love uh, Ford, the running back as well. He's one of those running backs that can't do it all running back. Again, if you're sort of if you've got good piece, if you get have a good draft and you've got players you can't you can't leave at round two, round three, when you start coming to the fourth and fifth round, if Ford's still there and you're looking for another a running back, I think he'd be a good uh, player. I think um Maggie Sanders, he flashes, doesn't he? He could be He's one of those ones where he could be a really, really good player and a starter, or he might just fizzle out. You're not too sure. I mean, he was sick at the combine, wasn't he? And he dropped loads of weight, but apparently got back up to his playing weight. I mean, he went from 240 down to 215 or something, or 220. And he got a, but he got, he got, 
you know, because he was ill, but he got back up to to playing with again for his pro day. So so that's good to see. I mean, don't forget linebacker where Beavers um is a good solid linebacker um for Cincinnati. He's one to watch. And we're desperate for depth there as well. So they've got a lot of players, yeah, of NFL caliber. Can I just say as well? So for the guy that's called uh, that whether it's fortunate or not, the guy that's called Kobe Bryant. If he doesn't play with a number eight or number twenty-four jersey for the team that drafts him, something's just not right there. He wore—I can't remember what he wore regularly, but he wore number eight in the bowl game for that reason. For that reason, yeah. Good lad. He, he would have—he would have to wear that jersey for his either eight or twenty-four throughout his whole career. He would have to. Won't be allowed to wear anything else. I don't think. And yeah, Georgia. Anyone? Anyone looking at Georgia? No, no one. No, no one. No. <laughs> yeah, Georgia. Gee. Uh, I, I genuinely, I don't even know where you start with George. I mean, what I will just say, last thing on Cincinnati, tying in with what we said, they had a meal with um, Sauce the night after his pro day. So, you know, there's obviously some serious interest there. But yeah, when we come to Georgia, you know, George, Georgia, especially their defence, might last year might have been one of the best college defences of ever, like, yeah, they're obviously like they all over, like D line, linebacker, cornerback, safety. They had it all. I'm just getting up. I think they had 16 players attend the NFL combine. That's got to be in and around a record. I mean, they even had a punter turn up there. But again, we look at Georgia. Some of the players that stand out for Georgia, Trayvon Walker, edge guy. There's been he, his stock has really rose over the last month to the point where there's there's been murmurings about him going at number two overall. Big Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt, linebacker Nicobe Dean. They've also got a linebacker, Quite Walker, and another linebacker, Channing Tindall. In all honesty, at various points in the draft, I'd be very happy with either of them. Lewis, is it Sign? Lewis Seen, the safety? Seen, yeah, Seen. And then the, um, the big one who... He's getting a lot of traction, and I don't know if it's smokescreen or not. Dalvin Cook's younger brother, James Cook, the running back. We'll come on to him in a moment on something else, but there's a, there's a serious, it appears there's serious interest there with the Giants. So, you know, I can understand Joe Shane going to the Georgia Pro Day just because when, they're, when they've got that many quality players, I mean, they could have, what, five, six first-rounders potentially? Yeah, very easily. Makes sense that Joe Shane... I'd be surprised if there was any GM that didn't go to their Pro Day. Yeah, well, I mean, you have to talk to Georgia Pro Day. I mean, like, they're kind of the team they showed this year. Right, we're moving towards a passing league, right? The old adage was the defences win championships. Well, not anymore. Offences win championships now. But Georgia this year have just been that throwback to, yes, defences win championships. They're absolutely stacked on that side of the ball. I mean, she has just rattled off a load of players there. I mean, like, other players that we look at, because I looked at it from, from where we're picking and what needs we have, you know, even White, who shared time, the running back who shared time with Cook, is a good, solid running back who you could pick up in the sixth round, and it wouldn't surprise me if he was just a really good one-two combo with someone. I mean, even wide receiver Pickens, I mean, I don't know why he's not getting love. I mean, he was injured most of last season, fair enough. But when he was on the field the year before, he was just dominant. He was just such a good, strong player uh, for them. Please tell me his first name is Slim. <laughs> that, would be good. that would be cool. You know, especially like all the players have nicknames now anyway, like Sauce and stuff. Like, But, but even in the trenches, you've got um, offensive line linemen like Sailor, uh, Schaefer. Like, they're just proper, like, pardon the pun, but like dogged sort of like smash mouth type, you know, really strong players who, who again could be picked in this fifth or sixth or even fourth rounder. And they, they could come in and they could start for us. I reckon either one of them could start at left guard for us um, straight away. So just talent all across the board. There you go. 
I mean, I've got not really got anything to add to that apart from there's there's so much to look forward to over the next three weeks. There's so many. I mean, you can the the amount of mock drafts coming out day by day now is is unbelievable. And like I said, there's there's guys stock that rises, there's guys stock falls, day in day out. Like Trevon Walker, like I've seen his stock rise exponentially over the last sort of few weeks. And it's like it'll be a case of will it stay there or will it drop drop off the cliff? Like to, as we get towards the draft, or what's gonna what's gonna happen? But lastly, though, before we move on, although it's not technically Giants related, it was a point I brought up earlier in the week in the uh, in the group chat. Obviously, with the, the big trade in the uh, the first round this week with um, the Saints and the Eagles, you know, Philly sent was it pick sixteen, nineteen, and one nine three, one nine four, whatever it was, um, to the Saints in return for pick eighteen, a third round, a seventh round, and then next year's first and second, uh, next year's first round, and then a second round in twenty twenty four. Sorry. Even though obviously the Saints have recently signed Andy Dalton, they've got currently got four quarterbacks in their on their roster: James Winston, Taysom Hill, and Ian Book as well. Are they lining up a draft night trade for either number five or number seven with us by getting those two picks in the first round this year? I don't think so. You don't. I I I think. If they're moving up, I wouldn't be surprised if they might be moving up for an offensive tackle. Bear in mind, they've lost Teron Armstead. Been a lot of talk about there. The, the, the rumor that I've I've heard, and I've I'm not Ian Rappaport, so I've, I've got the most sources. <laughs> your 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 middle name's Rap Sheet, isn't it, Shane? Come on. <laughs> uh, but the, the most recent rumor I've seen is that they're interested in getting a tackle and a wide receiver. Okay. So you know, even still, sorry. There's, there's some there's some pretty solid tackles that are going to go top five, top ten. You could imagine that you can rule out Cross, Neil, and Iquano. I think someone like a Trevor Penny might still be there. But this is the New Orleans Saints that like to surprise people. They took Peyton to was it Peyton Turner last last year? They took out of Houston a couple of years ago. They traded up to take Marcus Davenport. That was a bit of a surprise on draft night. So maybe they like somebody like uh, is it Tyler Smith? Tulsa. So sorry from Tulsa. Yeah. You know, maybe it's someone like him. They they really like, you know, Saints like to surprise people on draft night. So, you know, pick, what did you say they've got? Is it 16 and 19? Sorry. 16 and 19, yeah. You know, you could easily get a Jameson Williams or a Burks, Wilson, etc. at 16, knowing full well at 19, you're still going to get a Tyler Smith quite comfortably. So, you know, I, I think if they're moving up, I don't think it's for a quarterback personally. I mean, it could be. It really could be, to be honest. But um, I've heard rumours that they really like Neil. Evan Neal, like they might move up to try and secure him because they really like Ramchick sticking on the right side. They don't want to, he's, he's a you know he's been a pro ball player on that right side. They don't want to mess with him and 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 move him to left and bring someone else on the right. So they really want to bring someone in, someone in as a left tackle. But also like I think Daniel Jeremiah was saying that he feels that they just want two solid middle first round quality players in this draft to help their team because they believe that they're quite close to being a playoff team again yeah and obviously with them with Sean Payton going as well it's kind of it's it's almost a bit of a rebuild for them as well kind of you know the fact that Sean Payton's been there for god knows how long and you know it's the the, the organization is going to look a bit different now I think an interesting thing to note on the quarterback situation with the four quarterbacks is that 
Taysom Hill's contract, because of the verbiage in there, has now been switched across to tight end. So whether that does open up a quarterback spot is another question. Yeah, I heard that as well. He, he Apparently he will be going forward as a tight end. I mean, he's, he's not really done anything as a quarterback anyway, has he, apart from a few trick plays here or there, a few gadget plays or whatever. So. And they might keep stuff like that, but not too much. I think he wants to concentrate on being a tight end. Yeah, and, and obviously that was that was Sean Payton's offense, that was Sean Payton's offense and whatever. So moving forward, it's going to be a bit different, I suppose. So As you can say, as a side note as well, let's not forget, Daniel Jones can catch a ball. There might be hope for him at tight end if he doesn't look it this year. He's got wheels. I mean, he couldn't be, he couldn't be any worse than Evan Engram, could he, really? Nobody can. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, it was just obviously because it was such a huge sort of trade this week, and it was like, why? Why are they? It was a weird trade. It was very strange, wasn't it? Nobody's seen it coming, really. Yeah. Um, but I'll, you know, I've got to give the Eagles credit. The Eagles, like last year and this year, with their the trading and moving they've been doing, it's been really, really impressive. So I'm hoping. Is it Brandon Smith, Brandon Graham, that we brought in from Philly as our assistant GM? Brandon Brown. <laughs> Brandon Brown. There you go. But I'm hoping he might be able to bring in some of that, like. Philadelphia experience with navigating the draft board. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was just it, it sort of it was a bit of a sort of left field sort of came out of nowhere, didn't it? And and fair play to Philly, they got themselves a great deal, and they've you know picked up future picks in the well, t- picks in the next two years draft as well. You know, first a first round next year and a second round in twenty twenty four. So next year they're obviously going to be looking in the first round for Jalen Hurts replace you know replacement. So because <laughs> he's he's not going to get him too far this year, really, is he? So just to touch on that, like the two the two first round pick thing, like ideally what I would I would like us to move back, right? Only if it's a good deal for us to pick up a first next year. And again, like I've said before in the pod, that's not to put us in a position to be able to move up and grab a QB. That's just us having more goals at getting good first-round talent players to surround Daniel Jones or on the defence to help get after their quarterback to give Daniel Jones the ball. Um, that's kind of where where I see us wanting to go. Yeah, because you don't, you don't have to be a top 10 pick to be a standout player in this league. You can be a mid to late first round pick and be an absolute standout and be a Hall of Fame caliber player. You know, look at the amount of players in the in in the Hall of Fame that haven't even been first round picks. So you don't have to be in that top ten. It's just obviously the in, in that sort of top ten. They are the big names. They are the big talents coming out of college and. They're the ones that are being fought over. It's all the rest that are sort of are all going to fall into place here, there, and everywhere. But it's the it's the the big names that are coming out that are being the, the ones that are being fought over. So yeah, so that's that's definitely a good shout. Is is, is potentially move back and pick up capital for next year to then have again that solid you know two two first round picks next year as well. That's always an option for sure. That's the news for this week. Anyway, um, we'll keep you posted with, with everything that happens over the course of the weekend, and then going into next week as well. You know, we'll, uh, we're we're more active on Twitter now, thanks to our our new producer Craig. So look at us getting all fancy. I know, right? Producer, get us. It's like we're getting we're getting big time now, aren't we? <laughs> no, medium time. Yeah, medium time. We're no, we're no, we're no longer, we're no longer rookies. We're no longer at the bottom of the, the bottom of the barrel. We're sort of we're moving up in the world slightly. Um, but yeah, keep your eyes posted on our uh, on our on our Twitter page. We'll uh, we'll be retweeting stuff and 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 posting stuff all throughout the week. So keep an eye on that. Now, as I'm sure you're all fully aware, I'm as far from a college football expert as you could probably imagine. But as usual, Shane and Kev pick up my slack when it comes to the college game, and they're going to talk through their draft boards, um, revealing who they've got in the top five at each position over the next couple of weeks. This week, we're talking offense. 
we're talking point scorers we're talking the big names at quarterback and running back and wide receiver and so on and so on and so on i'm going to sit back and relax and have some haribo and i'm also going to learn some new names too and see if the pair of you agree or disagree who have you got as your top five quarterbacks guys my top five is starting from number five i'm going to go instead lead build the anticipation at number five i've got carson strong quarterback out in nevada four i've got desmond ridder out of cincinnati three i'm mixing it up here and i've got kenny pickett out of Pitt. two i've got matt corral from Ole miss and then at number one my number one qb this year is malik willis out of liberty nice nice to, nice to see a, a hear an old miss name in there yeah, definitely. And also, I like the way you've gone there. You haven't gone for the Kenny Pickett number one like everyone else out there, it seems. Right. And that takes some serious cojones. So fair play to you. But I think I can do better than that. My number five QB in the 2022 NFL draft is Kenny Pickett out of Pitt. Controversial. My number four is Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. Number three, Sam Howell out of North Carolina. To Matt Corral, and yes, we have the same number one, Malik Willis out of Liberty. So I did a mock. I did a mock draft earlier just for the fun of it, and uh, Malik Willis went number two overall to Detroit. What is he really that good? They do need a quarterback. I think number two is a little bit rich for my liking. You know, I, I think anything in the top ten, in all honesty, for these quarterbacks, he's a little too rich. Um, it reminds me a little bit of the year we had Daniel Jones. Was he a number six quarter, number six overall prospect? Probably not in all honesty. But what I do think interesting is we've both got the same one-two. Willis at one, Corral at two. Again, my reasoning for that is I want I like to go a little bit different from everybody else. I don't just want to go on to Bucky Brooks' top five and go, yeah, I'm going to do that. Because Bucky, Bucky knows his stuff. He's an escape, blah, blah, blah. For me, I, I do genuinely think the hands are an issue. Um, you know, he, he has got to go, in my opinion, to either a warm weather team or a dome team. He'd be no good at New York, for instance. Yeah. So that, that that's kind of where I've gone with not having Pickett in at number one. Kevin, done about yourself. Yeah, I mean, um, the hands thing is, is a bit of an issue. Um, I mean, I think he was very much like um, he looked so scared in the pocket sometimes. I mean, if his first read wasn't open, off he went. He absolutely panicked and and just set off. I mean, and also I all the interviews I've kind of seen him and like. All right, I watch tape. I watch a bit of tape, like everyone does. Not as much as some. Nowhere near as much as you. But I, I just go like, and I just, I just got a real, just didn't get a good feeling for him. You know, like you talk to someone or you hear someone speak about things. I don't know. I just, I just didn't buy in. And I think the other guys just speak so much passionately about football, and like the other guys as well, like like Sam Howell, like. All right, this year wasn't his best season. He had better seasons before because he had like NFL weapons at his disposal. He hasn't had that. He had to do so much more this year. He's such a good runner with the ball. I mean, Desmond Ritter has all the tools you want. He just, I think, might need an NFL system, an NFL coach to, to bring it out of him. And Matt Corral's just a baller, an absolute gamer. Like, you know, you can put the game on his back and he will go out and just just produce a bit of magic every now and again. And like Malik Willis, as, as we've talked about, and everyone will talk about as well, he's got the traits, the skills, the 
the intangibles, you know, like that rocket arm that he's built like a linebacker. Yeah, he's only six foot, six one, whatever he is, but like he's thick. He's got thick legs. He can get out of trouble. He can pinpoint the pass. Already makes some stupid decisions and stuff. Yes, but I think he's he, if he goes into a good situation, and it's all about situation. It's all about where you go and who you coach by. And and like if you're asked to start straight away, no, that's not going to work. I mean, he's not Mahomes, no, but Mahomes had the the the, the perfect situation of sitting behind a good vet like Alex Smith and learn for a full season. He didn't get any action until the 16th game at the at the 17th week. So if he goes into somewhere like well, anywhere with a really good situation, I think Malik Willis long-term could be a good franchise star quarterback in the league. Yeah, and I will, the last couple of things I'll say is, um, for me, I think Matt Corral's not being spoke about enough purely because he, he didn't perform at the um, senior bowl. He didn't throw at the combo because he's had a few niggling injuries. So I think that's probably helped his... Um, stock downgrade and I think a team that gets in could potentially get a steal um, you know maybe the best pro-ready quarterback in the draft in regards to Malik Willis I don't know if you feel the same Kev but when you see the when you watch Willis's tape and Pickett's tape you just look at Willis and you feel that he's got more of an it factor than what Kenny Pickett has and that's quite a big thing you need a quarterback to have the it factor um, and then the last thing I'll, I'll say is despite what I've put I believe Kenny Pickett will be the first quarterback to go off the board because he's Willis needs to sit. Matt Corral, I think Matt Corral could be a good day one start a quarterback, but obviously he's had these injuries and you know he's been throwing and forming, so he's probably going to have to bed into it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, which then brings me to Kenny Pickett. You know he's probably the, he's probably the one quarterback in this class who you could put in day one, and he's going to make a few rookie mistakes, but he's probably going to be su- sufficient. But the likes of Corral and Willis, their ceiling is so much higher. You worded that perfectly as well. Their ceiling is so much higher. I mean, like Kenny Pickett's ceiling is, is there, his floor would be higher, but his ceiling would be a lot lower. I mean, he could come in and, uh, for want of a better term, like manage games, get you through games. But he's not the type of player to go and win you playoff games and win and take you to a Super Bowl. Whereas I think if Corral and Willis get into good situations, I can see them taking games by the scruff of the neck. The kind of the way um, Josh Allen and Mahomes did in that fantastic playoff game that we saw this season. I believe that down the road, they'll be able to take those type of games, take it by the scruff and they can go and win their team games. Yeah, Pickett is for me someone like a um, Kirk Cousins. Yeah. You know, maybe a top 12, top 14 quarterback, never going to pick you up and drag you through it when you really need that all-star kind of... I mean, you could argue, maybe Kenny Pickett's uh, ceiling could be Daniel Jones. In the sense that, you know, I don't see Daniel Jones ever being a top 10 quarterback personally. So, yeah, that, that's where I'm at with the quarterbacks. Dan, what position would you like us to go on to next? You know what? Let's carry on in, the, in that sort of, in that backfield area. Let's go running backs. Okay. So, running backs interesting. I really like this running back class. Sneaky good, deep, but no stars at the top, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And I do, my top three, you could make argument for 1A, 1B, 1C, essentially. But I'm going to go in. Uh, number five, probably one of my favourite running backs in this class, in all honesty, is Damian Pierce out of Florida. Number four, I've got James Cook out of Georgia. Three, I've got Kenneth Walker out of Michigan State. Two, Isaiah Spiller from Texas A&M. And then my number one running back is Brees Hall out of Iowa. Nice, yeah, all good players. I mean, so I've gone James Cook um, out of Georgia as my number five. Isaiah Spiller, um, Texas A&M is number four. Um, yes, I've got my Homer hat on. I don't care. I've got Kyron Williams at Notre Dame at number three. 
uh, Kenneth Walker, number two, and Brees Hall, number one. It's all right, Kev. You're allowed to have your Notre Dame hat on. <laughs> it's my it's my top five. I'll do what I want. Just like I'm sure Shane's got his Penn State hat on. I don't think I have to be. F- we'll come on to me. I don't think I have. Yeah, not yet anyway. But yeah, as I say, for me, I, Dam- Damian Pierce is a, he's a running back. I do really like, you know, some some notable guys that just missed out. I, I did have Kyron Williams at six. Brian Robinson, I really like out of Alabama. And also Pierre Strong is a name to keep an eye on in that sort of day three, five to seven range. It's all, it's all about a bit of a flavour, isn't it? I know that, that's used quite a lot, isn't it? And and you in the podcast you listen to and the shows you watch on TV and stuff like, what flavour running back do you want? Because all the running backs we've listed are very, very different. I mean, like, if you take someone like Brian Robinson, like, like so for, ideally for me, right, if we came if we got extra picks in the middle rounds, right, and we came away with someone like a Brian Robinson and a Kyron Williams, right, you, that is an unbelievable one-two punch. I mean, you've got Brian Robinson, the absolute, like, like Brandon Jacobs, Thunder is in like, bosh, bosh, you know, hit through the tackles, you know, not much shiftiness, but just gets the hard yards. And, and then you get someone like Karen Williams, who is awesome at pass protection on third down, is also was a, a wide receiver in high school, which is kind of why he's on the smaller side. He's, he's like five, nine, five, ten, but only 190 pounds. Uh, he's shifty. So you kind of pair a backfield together like that. Um, would be my sort of ideal scenario. But like I said, it's kind of what flavour do you want? Um, this this class has sort of everything. Yeah, definitely. The thing is with running backs, right? I think, yeah, obviously it's when when you get like the sort of the big name sort of that was going to go, like, you know, let's look at Barkley, for instance. We always know he's, knew he was going to go in the sort of, in that top five, top ten. But you just got to look back in history at the, the types of backs that have gone in sort of, gone on day two, day three. You look at Aaron Jones, for instance. You look at Carlos Hyde. Kenyon Drake, Leonard Fournette, Joe Mixon, Dave Montgomery, Ronald Jones, Jeremy Hill, Gio Bernard, Sony Sony Michelle, Devin Singletary, Tevin Coleman. They're all pretty solid, pretty good running backs that have gone in the later rounds of the draft. So just because there's no really not really any sort of first round talent there doesn't mean there isn't anyone worth picking at all. And you're going to get some absolute steals there. Just a quick note on that, like in top 30 visits recently, we've had Brian Robinson in, we've had Brees Hall in, James Cook in, um, amongst others. Was it two years in a row, Brandon Bean and Joe Sheehan picked a running back in the third round two years in a row? And both have been, uh, was it Zach Moss and Singletary? And both haven't, all right, they haven't been outstanding, but they've been very good, productive running backs in the league. So, so like those three players there, I mean, Briggs Hall might go, he's my number one, so he might go in the second. But if you were to pick up one of the, one of one of those type of guys in the, in with one of our two third round picks, I mean, I can really see that happening. Then what does that spell for Saquon? Yeah, man, it could make things a lot more interesting. That's for sure. All right, let's go wideouts. Who have you got in your top five as a wide receiver? Okay, so my top wide receivers, um, number. Five. Just quickly before you say, sorry, Shane. Just quickly before you say. I've been all over the place with the wide receivers. I, I feel like I'm changing my top five all the time. Um, my number one stayed quite consistent. Two two through to five, literally, I could toss a coin as to what I wanted. <laughs> Defence, which we'll cover next week, I made changes as late as last night. Defence, I've really been stuck on. But in wide receiver, so my number five wide receiver is Traylon Burks from Arkansas. Four, I've got Drake London out of USC. 
I had him as I had him as always two at the start of this week. So you know, wide receiver as you say, Kev, I have been changing as well. Three and two, I've got back to back Ohio State. So I've got Garrett Wilson at three with Chris Olave at two, and then at number one, I've got Crimson Tide Alabama Jameson Williams. Oh, very interesting. So my five top five is number five Chris Olave out of Ohio State. Uh, four, Traylon Burks out of Arkansas. Three, Jameson Williams out of Alabama. Two, Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State. And my number one is Drake London out of USC. Yeah, and as you say, you know, that could interchange. Just like for the record, I, I didn't have a home state, Penn State kid in there. It's not no homer picks from our top five. Where where, where did you have Jahan Dotson? I have got him at six. I've got him at six as well. Yeah, and he, he, there could be an argument for him being in there. Um, the likes of Sky Moore, Christian Watson, unlucky to miss out as well. Um, but as I say, I think at the start of the week, I had it, Jameson Williams one, Drake London two, then the two Ohio State guys. But for me, Jameson Williams, he's wide receiver one in this class, hands down. It's not even close for me. Um, if he hadn't had this ACL injury, he would have been the first wide receiver gone off the board. So unfortunate, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But, you know, this is where you get that argument about should players forego the ball games because they risk this happening? He's still going to be a day one pick, hands down without a doubt. There's too many teams that have got wide receiver needs. Jamison Williams, he's my number one guy. From everything I've read, he's making absolute great strides in his recovery. I think he could potentially be ready for camp. If not, he'll be ready for the start of the season. I just hope he gets a good landing spot because as we've seen with so many wide receivers in the past Nikhil Harry a few years ago was wide receiver one ended up on New England where it's just not quite worked out then you look at guys like AJ Brown and DK Metcalf who were maybe the third fourth fifth sixth wide receiver off the board have got those great landing spots with a quarterback in place yeah definitely and like for those like who haven't seen much of Jimson Williams like he's lightning he is I mean if he landed somewhere like I don't know, the Chiefs or something. They've got two first-round picks, haven't they? Like, he's absolutely electric. Like, on his day, like, yeah, he, he's, he could be right up there. I mean... Well, they've got to replace Tyreek Hill somewhere. Well, it's a very good point, actually. I mean, they did, did you know, they have got good wide receivers, but Jimson Williams, a difference maker. Like I said, I was chopping and changing um, all over the place, but I think, like, I settled on Drake London, basically, because I, I always like the bigger-bodied wide receivers. I always like the, the big guys that jump, go and get it. I mean, I think he has so much untapped potential as well, and he's been so productive. Like, he he played on USC's basketball team right up until last year. Like, like played full-time basketball as well as football um, for um, USC. Um, he catches everything. He literally, like, he really does just... Even if you double him, like, I mean, I must admit, I will be a little bit biased as well to some players that I've watched live. So, so I watched him play against Notre Dame this season. We tried to have a plan for him and he just, like, I can't remember, I, I should have wrote down, like, this, the yardage and, and all that carry on, but he was just nearly unplayable and we were just so, we played so well to, to keep him to, to only, I mean, 150, 170 yards, whatever it was like. Yeah, he just, I mean, yeah, I think, I think he's got so much untapped potential. I think he can take it to the next level. Another gear, yeah, and I do think USC, USC produced some sneaky good wide receivers. You know, last year you had Amon Ross and Brown. Year before you had Michael Pittman. A few years before that, Juju Smith-Schuster. Before that, you had Robert Woods. So you know, USC do produce some decent wide receivers, and um, you know they do tend to be these kind of big bodies wide receiver. Amon Ross and Brown is not as big as those mentioned, but the like Juju Pittman, Drake London, they are those 
big bodied watchers. Have you no? Know, yeah, they're not burners, are they? They're just just no. very good at getting open and and they catch everything. Yeah, great hands. This is where you know. This is where the sort of the draft becomes quite interesting. You think back to last year, and you think it was that sort of debate of who's going to go higher: Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddle, or um, Devontae Smith. It was like those three huge names that were coming out in the first round there last year, and you think it was a toss-up who was going to go first. You always knew the first three picks were, yeah, pretty much always knew the first three picks were going to be quarterback. So it was a case of who's who's then going to go to either Atlanta, to Cincinnati, to Miami, wherever they were going to go. Whereas now, like you said, you, you're both agreeing on number one, but you're, you're changing your minds on your top five so regularly because you don't know that it could go anyway. So this is this is where the draft can get quite interesting year year like year to year. You know, we know there's no there's no big name quarterbacks in the draft this year. Yes, there's Malik Willis, but this is where it can be quite intriguing and this is what sort of draws you into the draft is that it's not the same every year. It's not the it's not the case of you're getting that star quarterback going number one every single year. You're not getting that star receiver going in the top 10 every single year. It's spread across the board and this is one thing I really like about the draft. You know what, let's finish off the skill position. Let's go tight end. Okay, so tight end, again, this is one where I've been making a lot of adjustments earlier in the week. Tight end is a little bit like the running back position. There's no top talent. We're not expecting anyone to go in round one, but the depth is really, really good at the position, which is great for the Giants because we need tight end, maybe even two. So I've actually got Jake Ferguson coming in at number five out of Wisconsin. Cade Otten out of Washington at four. Number three, I've got Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State. Two, I've got Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina with tight end one, which has been the case throughout for me, is Trey McBride out of Colorado State. Yeah, so mine's quite similar as well. I mean, I did have Jake Ferguson. I have him at six and I did him at five up until recently. Um, but so my, my top five is um, Kay Dotton, Washington, Jelani Woods out of Virginia, Jeremy Ruckert out of Ohio State, number two, Greg Dolchich out of UCLA, and number one, obviously, Trey McBride out of Colorado State. I think like with those top five there, there's a real mix. So obviously you've got Trey McBride at top, who's basically all round tight end, can can block, can pass catch. He's not a burner, but he makes great contested catches. Then you've got Greg Dolchich, who's the burner, who can he's fast, fast up the scene, that type of uh, tight end. Jeremy Rocker, we talked about him before, very good all round tight end, bit more of a blocker. Uh, Jelani Woods, converted quarterback. He's only really been playing the position for a year or two. So, you know, he where could he end up be, being in a few years' time? And Kate Otten, who just picked Ferguson just because I thought he was a little bit more all-round, like all, like more well-rounded um, tight end. And that's kind of where I think we need to, to go in this year's draft. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got Jelani Woods just missing out on number six. And we had a conversation in our, in our group chat about him a couple of days ago about how we do like him. Um, but yeah, you know, Trey McBride is, is easily number one. And then for me, I've got uh, Likely, Rooker, Otten and Ferguson. For me, in the order that I probably feel that they are day one ready, uh, that's why Jelani Woods just misses out because there's a you, you, you're betting on the upside of him and the potential that he has. Um, but I do also like Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State, Iowa State as well. And then, you know, Cole, Cole Turner's another good one. So as I say, tight end for me is very much like the running back. There's no top tier talent, but there is great depth there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, I keep, it's just you know, going to do all the mock drafts. Like, I keep doing 
running back and tight end with the two thirds. I just seem to come to like really like the running backs. I, they're in the third round and the tight ends are in the third round. And I always seem to think to myself, well, Trey McBride's there in the third round or someone like Jimmy Ruckett's there at the end of the third round. It's like, oh, I'll have them all day long. If you're picking up someone there in the third round and you can get someone like, I don't know, a, a Collar or a Bellinger or James Mitchell or someone or Cole Turner, someone with a sixth round pick, fifth, sixth round pick and double up at that tight end position. I mean, you put yourself in a really good position going forward. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So uh, that's the skill positions done. Now let's uh, let's look at the trenches. Um, who have you got in your top five on the offensive line in regards to tackles and the interior guys? So I'm going to start with offensive tackle. And again, this is one where the top the top four has been consistent for me. It's been the same order throughout. That, that fifth spot has been really, really difficult for me. So I've got at the moment, number five, Bernard Raymond out of Central Michigan. Four, Trevor Penning out of Northern Iowa. Three, Charles Cross from Mississippi State. Two, Evan Neal from Alabama. And then one, he's been my number one since before the college season even finished, and that's Ekan Aquanu out of NC State. Yeah, I mean, they're exactly the same five players I've got. I've got Bernard Raymond at number five, Trevor Penning at four, Charles Cross at three. Um, I, I was They were always very close to me. It was kind of like 3A and 3B. And I think seeing Charles Cross doing drills on the right side that he's never done before and doing run blocking drills sort of made me a bit happier to put him third because his pass protection is so, so much better than Trevor Penning's. That kind of made me feel feel happier by putting him there. Ike Kwanu's at number two and Evan Neal at number one. And again, the only reason why that's different is because Evan Neal's played right tackle, played left tackle, played guard. Um, it's a bit more all well-rounded, although I do believe that Ike Kwanu might turn out to be the better prospect long-term. I just think right now Evan Neal is just a little bit of a safer prospect. Yeah, and just touching on that, if, um, so I, I've got, I'm sad, I've got a little spreadsheet, I've been building snaps <laughs> and that. Evan Neal played 723 snaps at left guard in 2019, 765 snaps at right tackle in 2020, and 1,071 snaps at left tackle in 2021. So that just shows he hate the versatility that he does have. Now that's what you call preparation. <laughs> or too much time in your hands. The latter, hundred <laughs> percent. Um I will add though, Bernard Raymond, Abram Lucas, and Daniel Falalele. I have been interchanging between them. If anyone's wondering about Tyler Smith on the draft network, he's actually down as an interior role line as opposed to an offensive tackle, even though there's a suggestion that he's going to be a left tackle in the NFL. So talking of interior role line. I'm going to go to that. My interior role line is interesting. Might be a few raised eyebrows with this. So at number five, I've got uh, Marion Kennard out of Kentucky. At four, I've got Tyler Smith out of Tulsa. Three, I have Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. Two, I have Zion Johnson out of Boston College. And number one is Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. I can't help myself. I've split mine between guards and centers. So I will read off my top three guards and top three centers. Top three guards is Darian Kennard. My second guard is Kenyon Green. And my number one guard is Zion Johnson. And then for my centers, top three are Cam Jurgens from Nebraska, Dylan Parham from Memphis, and Tyler Lindenbaum from Iowa. Yeah, so, so for me, the, the, the one that stands out that I've done is obviously having Tyler Linderbaum at number three when 
most people will probably have him number one or two. And it comes down to the simple fact of versatility again. I could alternate Zion, um, Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson, in all honesty. I love absolutely both of them. I am praying that one of them is there in the second round, to be perfectly honest, because I would love them. You know, plugs that left guard, plugs that left guard position. Um, let's say Zion Johnson, for instance, plugs that left guard, but also got that ability to play centre. Tyler Linderbaum is purely at number three because he's only going to be a centre. So here's a quick one. If we had gone, if we went edge and cornerback at five and seven, yeah. would you would you consider taking an interior lineman then with that pick? Or would you maybe look to an offensive tackle? Or would it just be best player on the board? Um, I, th- I think it'd be best player on the board. If someone like, m- my favourite right tackle is Abraham Lucas. Uh, he took eight snaps at right guard in 2021. Every other snap in his career has been at right tackle. He's the best pure right tackle in this draft, hands down, because he's got that, how, how many times he's played there. So, yeah, it comes down to which tackle's there. But, you know, I think if, if someone like Zion Johnson's there, I wouldn't be mad at taking Zion Johnson and then maybe picking up a tackle in the with one of our third-round picks, for instance. Awesome. Well, that's uh, that's your top fives on offence, guys. Um, lots to talk about, lots to... Uh to digress and and to think about and lots for our listeners to get their teeth into as well so guys listeners let us know what you think about their top fives at each position there on the on the offense um whether you agree with them whether you disagree with them what your thoughts are what your opinions are who your top fives are uh, on the offense let us know get in touch via all the usual ways so yeah we're going to round out this week now by opening up the mailbag for the first time in a while so uh thanks so much to those that get sent in questions and got in touch we really appreciate it and we really do enjoy answering them all uh first up this week is at smith 112 who asks us everyone's talking about a tackle uh, about taking a tackle sorry uh, but could we take an edge and a corner with pick five and seven uh, shane might see an early second round tackle as a better option than a second round edge or corner but if Neil or Aquani were there, is it too good to turn down? So it's kind of like a two-part question. Could we take an edge and corner of pick five and seven? Um, but if Neil and Aquani were there, is it too good to turn down? I, I'd be happy with edge and corner at five and seven. You know, it's the defence needs severely upgrading. There is going to be a tackle there at the start of the second round, 100%. I think it's basically going to come down to how you've got your board. Do you have Neil and Aquani higher than... Thibodeau, Walker, Jermaine Johnson, Source Gardner, Derek Stingley. It, that's what it's going to come down to at the end of the day. In all honesty, there's not much that Joel Shane and the New York Giants can do to piss me off at five and seven because we need that much. So, you know, if that's up Kenny Pickett at five, okay, Joe, we've got a problem. But if we play, you know, the guys who I've just named, I'm fine with that. Again, is it too good to turn down? It just comes down to how you've got your big board. Quite simply, I'll start with I'll start I'll start with um the the second question first kind of like but if Neil Nakwanyu on the board number five I'm running up to the podium absolutely running up to the podium whatever one's there I'm taking him because Daniel Jones we need to give him a platform now if they're off the board and you're telling me someone like Walker and Thibodeau's there hundred percent take them if you come away with someone like Thibodeau and Sauce Gardner at five and seven you've had a great draft because in my opinion. Not to give away next week, to tease next week, but you're getting the top edge rusher and the top cornerback. These are premium positions, premium positions. These are the positions that get the big money in the NFL. 
So if you come away with, with them two players, or those two type of players, you're 100%, you're, you, you're winning on day one. As a Giants fan, you should be pleased. Yeah, man. Um, I think I think we could take edge and cornerback at five and seven. Absolutely. There's so much talent at those positions and there's a lot of depth at those positions as well throughout even, you know, going into rounds two and so on and so on. But yeah, if Neil and Aquanu are there, then I think you've got to take one of them. If 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 Evan Neil's there, you've got to take him at five, surely. If Aquanu's there at five, surely you've got to take him as well. But then, like you said, it all comes down to the board. It all comes down to where they rate him, where, whether they rate, like you said, a, a Thibodeau or... What's his name? Trayvon Walker. Walker. Whether they rate him higher than Evan Neal or 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 Aquanu. So it, it's all dependent on on Joe Shane. It's all dependent on Coach Dable. It's all dependent on how they rate the how they've got the board. Big time. It's all about the board and about positions. Because if you've got someone like Charles Cross as a twelve to eighteen player, and you've got someone like Booth, or at, so, so say Sauce is gone. Say Sauce is gone. Uh, the two tackles are gone. And you've picked your age at five, and it comes to seven, and you've got someone between like Cross or Stingley, whoever's higher on your board, then that's the player you take. Yeah, but like you think, like if 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 we take, say for instance, we take a, a we take a tackle at five, and then then potentially then looking at maybe DB and Edge for seven. But then also it depends. All depends on how the first four picks pan out as well. We we don't know who who the Jags going to pick. I mean, there's obviously a lot of talk about Aiden Hutchinson going number one. Who are the, who are the Lions going to pick at number two? Who's then going to go at three? Who's going to go at four? We don't know. So it all depends on how those four, first four picks go as well. Are Neil and Aquani too good to turn down at five? Yeah, probably. Who knows? It all depends on it. All depends on the night, doesn't it? I think for me, like if someone said to me, you're going to get Thibodeau at five, you're going to get Sauce at seven. You can get Abraham Lucas at the start of the second round. Sign me up to that, absolutely, 100%. Because that, to me, is a better option than Iquano at five, say, Jermaine Johnson at seven, and then Boye Maffei. Uh, not, not, sorry, Sauce Gardner at seven, and then a Boye Maffei at the start of the second round. So, you know, I, I do wonder how much that's going to play into it, that how high you're expecting to get certain players in the second round and how you've got your second round board graded. Because I don't know how NFL draft rooms work, but if it was me, I would have... These are the players I'm targeting with this pick. These are the players with this pick. These are the players with this pick. Yeah, that's a good shout. Smith, one one two. Hope you've answered your question. Thanks for thanks for getting in touch. Curtis Johnson next asks if we have the choice of both top tackles at five, which one would you rather pick? And I'm assuming he's talking about Evan Neal and uh, Mr. Aquani. So uh, who's who would you pick? I mean, you, you're gonna you're gonna you guys are gonna go to your board and who's who's rated higher, right? Surely. Yeah, so my OT one, as we've found out, is Ike Iquano. So that would be the, the pick for me. I will say I'm not a Charles Cross fan. If Iquano and Neil are off the board, I'm not touching Charles Cross at five or seven. Yeah, 100% agree. I mean, I'd go Neil, again, staying true to my board. But if if they went Iquano instead of Neil, I'd be like, brilliant pick, awesome pick, no-brainer, home run. They're literally 1A, 1B for me. I mean, they're so close that it doesn't make a difference for me. Um, as Shane said about not picking Cross at five, the, the the reason being is because if those two tackles have gone, a really good player like Sauce or one of the edges will have fallen to you. So that, in my opinion, should be the pick at five instead of someone like Cross. I don't know enough about them about both of them to be able to pick between them. I'd be happy with either one of them at five. So will Daniel Jones. That's what I'm going to say. Sit on the fence, you know. And 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 Saquon Barkley. Yeah, yeah, it's protection. A needle or something. Yeah, it's protection, and it's someone that's going to make a hole for him. Yeah, Curtis, thanks for getting in touch, mate. I really appreciate it. Ashley Platt, Mister Regular, he's back in touch. 
How are you doing, Ash? He asked if we took... Well, it's, it, it's, it seems to be a running trend with these questions. They're all about the uh, offensive tackle position, aren't they? If we took one of Neil or Aquano at five and the other was still there at seven... Oh, he's asking about a double dip. Wow. Would you take the other while both can play guard and tackle? Would you take one at five and then if the other's still there at seven, would you take him again? Absolutely not. No chance, not in a million years. It's a great question. It's a fantastic question. Short answer is no. No. Long answer is I'm on the phone to tackle needy teams at seven saying Saints, all of them saying, look, what's the offer? Yeah, exactly. Um, no, I don't want to double dip on offensive line in the first round. I mean, I'm sure that's Shane's... I mean, going, talking about the last year, I'm sure that's Shane's idea of a nightmare. <laughs> but I'll, 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 walk, I'll, I'll walk off or I'll watch the draft. Do we think that Hog Molly Lover Gettleman would do it? Oh, that's a great shout. That's a great question. He'd be tempted, wouldn't he? You know what? Nothing would surprise me with Dave Gettleman anymore. So. No, if it was Dave, it'd be Neil Iniquano at five and then Wyatt or Davis at seven. OT and DT. Yeah. Trader Dave. Oh, mate, he'd have a wet dream of that, wouldn't he? <laughs> um, yeah, great question, Ash. Thanks, mate. But yeah, no no double dip on the O-line for in five and seven. Thanks very much. Cracking, cracking question, Ash. And just quickly as well, Ash is like, he's such a good fellow. Like, really good to meet him that time in London. I think I still own the football, don't I? You absolutely do, yeah. Oh, uh, Ash, man, I'm so sorry. I will get that out to you this week, I promise. We'll, we'll, we'll get you a football and, I don't know, we'll maybe send you something to sweeten you up as well. Maybe a signed photo of Kev. <laughs> <laughs> One of those professional ones I did, like, on the beach. Yeah, you probably love that. Um, yeah, apology, apologies, Ashley, mate. We'll get that football out to you ASAP. All right, I think we've still got your address somewhere, so we'll get it out to you, no problems. Uh, and then last up, Neil Kyle on Facebook Asked us, many are wanting a trade back to acquire a 2023 first in order to trade up for a QB. Would it be better to instead pick up five and seven this year, getting two franchise blue chip players, and trade away 2024 first round pick instead to trade up next year, since that one won't be as high as five or seven? I love this question because I feel like I'm in the minority. I'm staying at five and seven. I am not moving whatsoever. Name seven players off the top of your head. So you've got Carl Hamilton, Aidan Hutchison, Kayvon Thibodeau, Neil Iquanu, Source Gardner, Derek Stingley. All seven of them are blue chip prospects. Why do I want to move and go back to number 20 and get Trevor Penny when I can get a blue chip prospect? I, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm the only Giants fan who's like, I'm not interested in a trade. I'm not. I'm not, not interested whatsoever because if we do look at the teams that are going to be looking to trade up, how many of them are potentially either A, going to give up a first rounder. So let's say Seattle does. Seattle wants to move from nine to five. It's four picks. Are they really going to give us an extra first round next year? Probably not. So then you're talking about teams in the 20s and above who could potentially be playoff contenders next year. So then that draft pick next year turns out to be a late pick anyway so we can't just say oh here's our two first and we move up the board they're going to want more um so yeah i love that question and i'm firmly in the camp of stay where we am get two blue chip prospects at positions of need which we have got so if we can come away with a tackle edge or cornerback two players from one of those three positions i'm happy and if we do need a quarterback next year you know what if joel shane does a good job in this draft and he's proven that he can be trusted sell the farm and go get quarterback yeah, I completely agree with that, actually. Um, everyone wants picks next year. Everyone wants more picks, more picks, more picks. I think this is a very, very deep draft. 
So I want to pick at five and seven, but move two, three, move them around for extra fives and sixes and stuff like that is what I would prefer to do this year. So uh, that's, it's, it's, a, it's a great question, uh, Neil. Thanks for thanks for sending it in, mate, because uh, it, it, it gets you thinking, doesn't it? Um, I mean, I keep seeing, just sorry, just quickly, like, sorry, Dan, um, like, I'm seeing it too much now, so it will obviously will never, like in mock, so it obviously will never happen. But my dream scenario was always one of the tackles and Thibodeau. Always, that was like like the dream scenario. If we come away with foundational pieces on both sides of the line of scrimmage, like that sets us up so well going forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think being the glass half full man that I am, I'm predicting Daniel Jones is going to come good next year, or this year, shall I say. Um, we don't need to draft a quarterback next year. Just quickly, actually, just quickly before we go, um, statistically wise, although you can't really go off stats because stats can be skewed. Touchdown interception ratio, like numbers, what would be successful this year? Um, if I told you, if I told you he threw twenty-seven touchdowns and 11, 12 picks, would you be like, all right, he's done all right this season? Two two touchdowns for every one interception. I would. It's not bad. I would like, I would, you know, think it's 17 games. So I'd like to see in the range of 30 plus, especially with a new offense um, and, and hopefully, you know, spreading the field, stretching the field. I'd like to see 30 plus averaging sort of upper one, if not two a game. That'd be lovely. I think interceptions, you can, he's not, hopefully, hopefully doesn't do a Jameis Winston and do a 30 and 30, <laughs> you know, but... I mean, the, the the goals single digits for interceptions. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Again, you think seventeen games, anything below half, you know, half of that. So anything but yeah, you know, sort of eight, eight or nine or so will be will be a nice number, especially you know, you know, seventeen games again. So you want sort of one every other game. So yeah, I think over thirty would be a nice number for touchdown passes, and I think under ten for interceptions would be. I think that'd be a successful season for him. I think anything. Anything like that would be good. Do we? Would you take fumbles into account in that? Because that has been an issue for him. Yeah, you'd have to look at the amount of turnovers he committed in total. Yeah, would you look at turnovers total as opposed to just interceptions? Potentially, yeah. You have to look at it all. Obviously, I, I, I think he will be a lot more productive next season than he has been. I, I just want to see him. I want to see us win more games. Obviously. But I, I want to see. I want to. Uh, yeah, but I'd like to see us like win a few games comfortably. Like yeah, like not, take not a, close games, like a couple of blowouts. You know, two, yeah, two, three touchdowns, like two, three scores. Putting up a fifty bagger on a team. Come on, when was the last time we put up fifty points in a game? Well, yeah, exactly. Like, and you know, I want to see like a bit, a bit more like Saquon in the passing game as well and stuff. And and I just want to see like um, I want to see him win us a few games as well like you know it was like god we, like daniel jones won us that game otherwise you know we would if we didn't have him that game we wouldn't have won so like when i see like those type of steps as opposed to i know i asked the question but as opposed to statistics step forward yeah, yeah. but going back to neil's question like we said before fantastic question mate and then yeah i, I think picking at stay at five and seven get two blue chip prospects and then you know let's work think about next year when it comes to it two two solid Top ten picks, I'll keep, I'll take that any day. Happy days, um, but thanks for your question, Neil, and thanks for all your questions as well. Uh, we've had uh, three new listeners sending in questions this week as well, uh, and then obviously Mr. Regular Ashley. Um, so we really do appreciate it, guys. Keep them coming in because we love answering them. Now that is all we have time for this week. 
I'm sure you're sad to hear that. Coming up next week, we take a deep dive into some of the standout prospects on defense as we look at the top five uh, on Shane and Kev's boards. You know, they've put hours and hours of preparation and work into them, so we're going to be talking through them next week. Plus, we're bringing the latest news as well, as I'm sure there's going to be lots coming out uh, of Giants camp as we move forward towards the draft. Uh, will James Bradbury still be with the team this time next week? Who knows? Will there be any movement in draft order as well? Who knows? We'll cover all the major stories next time out. Anything to add before we go, gents? Nah, just great chatting again. Um, thanks for the questions. Keep them coming in. Remember to like, rate, review, subscribe, retweet, the whole shebang. Um, and I'm really looking forward to talking top five prospects defence next week because it's a massive need for us on the defensive side. And uh, I'm going to be interested to see the differences with mine and Kev's top fives. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, it'll be a good chat. And there will be differences, maybe more differences on defence than offence. Um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed tonight. Good to have Craig on board, as I said before. I think he's a great addition to the team. And um, yeah, let's, let's, let's up and upwards and onwards. Uh, we are a lot more active on Twitter now, so feel free to send us DMs. Feel free to respond to anything. We'll throw some polls up this week as well, get some opinions, see how we're doing. The more questions we get for the mailbag, the more often we will do mailbag sections. Yes, we will. We love a mailbag. I think it's been one of the uh, most consistent parts of this uh, this podcast over the last year. We we do love opening up the mailbag and uh, answering your questions so keep them coming in as Shane said get in touch with us Twitter Facebook email however you want to do it get in touch we love answering your questions you know give us your feedback leave us a review as well as Shane said we really appreciate all the interaction that we get with every single one of you so keep it coming in and you've got to love a cheeky little Twitter poll so watch out for that keep your eyes peeled because I don't know anyone that doesn't love a Twitter poll (laughs) my thanks as ever go to Shane to Kev and also now to Craig uh, for joining me on this lovely journey that we find ourselves on. And to you, the listeners, for tuning in. We are signing off until next time. Go Giants!